Hello and welcome to Nick's Snack for Neologisms, episode 29, where we define and discuss the most amazing words in the English language. Last episode, we covered conspicuous, intractable, shirk, and tacit. And in this episode, we're covering placate, pugnacious, disquiet, and herald. And before we begin, I want to share with you guys some pretty exciting news about the podcast. I found out recently I surpassed 100,000 total downloads for Nick's Knack for Neologism. So I want to thank you guys for listening because when I first started this podcast, I was expecting maybe at the most 20 to 30 downloads for the podcast. It was just kind of a joke thing. I was like, you know, I like words. I'm just going to make a podcast and see what happens. And the last episode I put out on August 15th, it had over 600 downloads. It's just crazy to think that that's a possibility with words. So thank you guys for listening. It's just, it's weird. It just blows my mind. I look at my stats and I'm like, sweet mother of God, how is that possible? So thanks guys for listening. And then I want to share with you a review left on iTunes by Chocolove2. This person said, so fun. I have no idea. For some reason, I think this is a female. I don't know why, but I just feel like this is might, might be a female. So I'm just going to say she, if you're not a she, sorry, Chocolove. She says, so fun. Learning words for the GRE can be so boring and frustrating, but this podcast actually makes it fun. He is so silly at times, and it helps me really remember the words, and it's like a friend with me. Thank you so much for the review. So let's get on to our first word. Our first word is placate. I love this word because it's something I do often. I like to placate people, and it's just kind of a fun word to say. And placate is spelled P-L-A-C-A-T-E. Placate. It's phonetic. P-L-A-C-A-T-E. Placate. It's a verb. And it means to appease or pacify, especially by concessions. So placate, I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing to placate. I don't necessarily think it's a good thing to placate. Often we placate because we believe the end of a certain situation justifies the means. So for example, my son this morning started whining when I was eating some banana chips. So what did I do? I placated him and I gave him one of my banana chips. I didn't really want to give it to him because I felt like he had had enough sugar for the day. But in this case, I think giving him the banana chip was enough to placate him so that he would stop whining. And for me, it was more important that he stopped whining than it was to actually withhold the banana chip from him, if that makes sense. So we placate often in our lives. Sometimes at my job as a psychiatric nurse, I placate my patients. I had a patient once who liked to make phone calls all the time he would make 10 to 20 phone calls an hour and as staff at this particular unit we have to make the phone calls for them and we had set a limit on his phone calls for the next hour he was getting very upset and so what did i do i placated him i made another phone call for him to decrease his upsetness so that's what placating is some Fun synonyms might be appeasing, assuaging, mollify, pacify, reconcile, satisfy, soothe. So when we're placating someone, we're soothing them by giving something that or doing something for them that we may necessarily not want to do or not want to give them, but we feel like the end justifies the mean, and so that's why we placate. So our mnemonic for placate is going to be placate. We're going to think of a plate full of tasty food to satisfy someone, placate, a plate full of tasty food to satisfy someone. So when we think of the word placate, we're going to think of this. I want you to guys imagine a plate full of 
the tastiest food possible, whatever that may be for you. And we're going to give it to someone who's maybe screaming their head off and now they're satisfied. Now they're happy. They're getting the plate full of food. They are officially placated. I tried to placate the sad little boy by giving him a cookie. The police officer tried to placate the two scared drivers at the scene of the accident. Although Henry tried to placate his boss by staying late at the office each evening, he still lost his job during the layoffs. My husband will do just about anything to placate me so I will not be mad at him. If no one tries to placate my sister when she is angry, she gets even angrier. The president knew he would have to placate the voting public by firing his advisor. Placate. So Armonic is giving a plate full of tasty food to someone to appease them. Placate. That's a great word. And that's one of those words that I feel like should be incorporated into your daily vocabulary. It should be one of those words you can use frequently if you need to because it's such a great word and we do it so often. Placate. All right, let's move on to our next word, which is pugnacious. This is another great word. It just so happens to start with a P as well. Pugnacious, it's an adjective. It's spelled P-U-G-N-A-C-I-O-U-S. Pugnacious, it's phonetic. P-U-G-N-A-C-I-O-U-S. Pugnacious. And it means inclined to quarrel or fight readily. Quarrelsome, belligerent combative, pugnacious. So I just think, when I think of pugnacious, I just think of someone who likes to fight. They're ready to fight. Maybe a boxer before the opening round, they're very pugnacious. They're ready to go. They're ready to fight. Pugnacious. And the way I remember pugnacious is I think of a pug dog. I don't know if you guys are familiar with what a pug is, but it's this short little scrawny dog, kind of muscular, kind of fat. Maybe they weigh 15 or 20 pounds and they always have a little bit of wrinkled skin here and there, but their most distinctive characteristic about their face is it looks like it's been smashed in. So if you just took a dog's face and you just crammed it in, that would be a pug. And they always they always make the, make that noise. Oh my God, it's so obnoxious, but it's kind of cute. It's kind of funny. They're really ugly dogs, but they're so ugly they're cute. That's what a pug is. If you get a chance, if you don't know what a pug is, Google it. They're really funny dogs. But to me, a pug is kind of pugnacious, not in the sense that they're eager to fight, because the pugs that I've met aren't eager to fight, but they never back down either. So if a bigger dog kind of starts to bully them, they don't back down. They're not necessarily ready to fight, but they stand their ground. So something about a pug and pugnacious, I just think of a pug dog and it helps me remember the definition of pugnacious. So some good synonyms for pugnacious might be aggressive, antagonistic, argumentative, bellicose, brawling, cantankerous. Someone has a chip on their shoulder, they might be a little pugnacious. If they're combative or contentious, those are all sort of loose associations of the word pug. Nacious. The pugnacious little boy constantly talks back to his mother. John's pugnacious behavior causes him to have few friends. While my twin sister is quite pugnacious, I prefer to avoid confrontations. Of course, I would prefer a docile pet over a pugnacious one any day. Unfortunately, Harriet becomes pugnacious only after a few drinks. That's a good one, right? You guys know of anybody who gets a little pugnacious once they've had one too many drinks? pugnacious. Because the pugnacious actor argues with everyone, it is hard for him to find work. In middle school, let's see, I was in seventh grade, I believe, and my class had gotten let out of the class, so we were waiting for the class to exit so we could go into the class that they were in, 
And there was this pugnacious kid who just opened up the door and started pushing everyone out of his way. Well, I happened to be in his way. And how would I describe my middle school personality? Obstinate and hard-headed, I would say. Not necessarily, I wasn't a bully, but I was probably a little bit of a class clown and I wouldn't back down if someone started some crap with me. So anyhow, this kid pushes me out of, out of his way and I was kind of big. I used to play basketball, lifted, I was like lifting weights in seventh grade. I was a decent sized middle schooler. And so I pushed him back and he was like, what, Nick, you want to go? And I was like, yeah, let's go, dude. So I instantly put him in a headlock and then I threw him over my hip. And I held him down the ground. I remember his face was really red and I was worried he was going to punch me. So I made sure to put a lot of body weight on him. But in that moment, he and I were both very pugnacious. And then this teacher came over and she broke us up and she was like, what is your name? Tell me your name. And of of course, you know, I lied to her being a middle schooler. You have to lie. So I lied. I told her my name is John. She was like, no, your name is not John. It's right there on your binder. And it says, Nick, that's your name. Your name is Nick. Why would you lie to me? So then I said to her, I was like, well, if you knew what my name was, why would you ask me in the first place? You were just trying to catch me in a lie. So I was kind of a little pugnacious. I was a little argumentative with the teacher, you could say. Oppositional defiant disorder is what we might categorize that kind of behavior in psychiatric nursing. And so I think I was a little pugnacious on the day, but I definitely felt afterwards I felt bad, even though I kind of beat the beat the bully up. And a lot of I remember a lot of my classmates were like, yeah, good job, Nick, because no one liked him. He was a bully. He definitely was a bully. But at the same time, I felt bad afterwards. He and I kind of became friends. It was like this weird bonding moment for, for us. But I felt bad afterwards because the kid said when he went home, his dad was going to beat him because he got in trouble at school. And I believed him. I think a lot of tough kids, a lot of bullies come from broken households. So I felt really bad for the kid. It was crazy. I saw him some years ago after we graduated from middle school. I just saw him randomly driving down a street that I lived on. And he was with a bunch of buddies. And we're like, dude, I was like, what's up, man? His name was Eric. I was like, what's up, Eric? How are you doing? So it was it was peculiar. I felt bad for him. Wish I could go back and just like see how his life turned out. Anyhow, it's a long tangent for the word pugnacious, but hopefully that helps you stick the word in your brain. Pugnacious. Think of a pug, someone who's belligerent, someone who is ready to fight. All right, let's move on to our next word, which is disquiet. And I must say, this is one of those words I have a hard time remembering. So hopefully this mnemonic that we have will help you and I remember this word, disquiet. D-I-S-Q-U-I-E-T, D-I-S-Q-U-I-E-T, disquiet. It's a noun and it is a verb depending on how you, on how you lose or on how you, oh my gosh, on how you use it. And it means lack of calm, peace or ease, anxiety, uneasiness. So if you're feeling disquiet, you're feeling anxious, you're feeling a little bit of uneasiness, you're not feeling settled, disquiet. Or someone could be disquieted, and that does mean they that means they are deprived of calm with of calmness, of equanimity, of peace. They're disturbed, make uneasy. So for me, the way I, I remember disquiet, I just think of bothered or bothersome. I am bothered. So if I'm disquieted, I'm not feeling comfortable. I'm unsettled. I'm bothered. And I just use one word usually to remember disquiet. And for whatever reason, that usually helps disquiet. I just, I think of bothersome or being bothered. So our mnemonic for disquiet, if you think of D-I-S, the prefix, right? That sort of means moving away from something. So if someone, if we're disagreeing, we're moving away from agreement. If we dislike something, we're moving away from liking it. So disquiet, I think of, if I am disquieted, I'm moving away from quietness because I'm bothered. We're moving away from 
quietness. We're feeling bothered. We're disquieted. We're uneasy. So some synonyms might be angst, anxiety, ferment, foreboding, nervousness, restlessness, uneasiness. Those are all kind of loose associations for disquiet. Disquiet. When do I feel disquieted? When I wake up in the morning, if my alarm clock wakes me up, I'm instantly disquieted. Disquiet. The novel is a tense thriller that will disquiet the reader. Bodies were scattered everywhere, adding to my disquiet. Increased border activity prompted disquiet among the guards. Growing disquiet may result in civil war. Kevin is an aging pitcher who has a sense of disquiet about his ending career. So what do you feel disquieted about? What disquiets you? What bothers you? What, what makes you feel anxious? Maybe you're studying for the, DR, for the DRE, for the GRE, and you feel a little disquieted about that. Or maybe you'll feel really disquieted before you go in to take your GRE examination. Ooh. Or what helps your disquietude? or disquietness, or what alleviates your disquietude, or what placates your disquietude. I'll give you guys, you know, I've, I've never really had bad test anxiety, but I've taken some tests that were pretty important. Tests that kind of could, to some degree, determine the rest of my life, right? Like my nursing board examinations. That's a pretty big test. You can fail it, I think, three times or four times. And then after that, there is, there is a certain amount that you can fail and then you're not allowed to take it ever again. I think at least that was my impression. So that could easily cause some disquiet for those taking the test. But for me, I've never really had bad test anxiety. I think in part because I usually study pretty well for tests. And then number two, I go on with an, I don't care kind of attitude. Just like, I don't care. Whatever's going to happen is going to happen. I'm prepared for this test. I'm going to do the best I can. And if I fail, I fail. If I pass, I pass. But I've done my best. I know I've done my best. I'm ready. Bring it on. That's the attitude that I bring to any sort of test that I take. I remember in nursing school, we had this, there was this one gal. She was so disquieted by any sort of test. I felt horrible for her. I mean, she had horrible disquiet. I'm talking about anxiety that was through the roof. I mean, she would start to cry almost. She would start to shake before taking a test. And these were just, these weren't super important tests. They were important tests, but they weren't tests that would make or break her nursing career. And yet she still felt a lot of anxiety, a lot of disquietude because of the test. It's kind of sad to see. I think there's a lot of people out there with really bad test anxiety. So I don't know if that helps. Just kind of, that's my only advice. That's my unsolicited advice for those of you out there who have a lot of disquiet about taking tests. Just study hard. Know you've prepared for the test. When you go in, just do the best you can and let the chips fall where they may. So that's the word disquiet. We think of moving away from quietness because we're bothered. That's our mnemonic. All right, let's move on to our last word, which is herald. I think it's a weird word, but I think it's a a word that might show up on a test. I've seen it frequently. It's not that uncommon. It's somewhat uncommon, but not that uncommon. Herald. H-E-R-A-L-D. Herald. H-E-R-A-L-D, herald. It is a noun, a person or thing that precedes or comes before something else, a forerunner. The returning swallows those heralds of spring. So it's something that lets us know that something else is going to come, right? So swallows are a kind of spring bird, I guess. 
And when the swallows come, we know that they're heralding spring because they only come out during springtime. Herald can also mean a person or thing that proclaims or announces. A good newspaper should be a herald of truth, an announcer of truth. Herald, herald, to give news or tidings of, announce, proclaim. So anyone who, anyone who is making some sort of proclamation is heralding. They are a heralder. When I think of the word herald, though, I usually think of it meaning to indicate something. So like those swallows sort of indicate spring, they herald spring, right? To indicate or signal the coming of, to usher in. That's what I think of herald. But it can also mean to announce or make a proclamation. So what is our mnemonic for the word herald? A word that means to indicate something or signal that something is coming. You could think of herald as hearing all. If you hear all things, herald, hear all. I know it's a bit of a stretch. Hear all. If you hear all things, you might become a prophet, right? You might make an announcement thereof, or you might know what is indicating, or you might know what is indicative of something else because you hear all things. Herald. Another mnemonic, when I think of Herald, I think of this kind of old guy, Harold, right? There's not going to be, at least in America, you won't really find any babies being named Harold. It's an older name, so Harold is going to be like probably some dude who's 70 plus and he likes to talk a lot. So I think of this kind of wrinkly old skinned man who just likes to tell you about his experiences in life and he likes to sit there making proclamations and announcements and he likes to tell you about things that might come, right? Because he has so much experience on earth, this this herald, that he can tell you what's going to happen in your life based on the choices that you're making because he himself has been through similar situations. Herald. He knows so much. He's a herald of truth. He's a herald of wisdom. So some synonyms for herald might be advisor, courier, forerunner, indication, precursor, prophet, reporter, runner, sign, signal, token, those are all loose associations of the word herald. Dark clouds often herald bad weather is coming soon. I don't like listening to the news because I find their heralding to be quite exhausting. What heralds success if not hard work, dedication, and perseverance? A sedentary lifestyle coupled with fast food and stress heralds type 2 diabetes. When the cops arrived at my front door with a warrant, I knew this heralded a search of my house. After a few hundred years, their predictions obviously resembled doomsday cultists. The end is often heralded, but never delivered. I like that one. It reminds me of those environmentalists who always say, ah, like I think the last one, I don't really follow the news, but the last big environmental scare was global warming, right? And it's like, oh, in 10 or 15 years, the world is going to be under the ocean, blah, blah. But if you look historically at environmentalist heralds, you'll see that they are always wrong. They might have some truth to them. And I'm not saying they're, what they're saying isn't important or doesn't need to have attention brought to it. But nevertheless, these environmental scares, these heralds of the environmentalists always turn out to be untrue. Dawn came quickly heralded by the singing of birds and the splashing of fish in search of the early insect. Herald. So that is the word herald. Let's go through our four words. Placate, pugnacious, disquiet, and herald. And let's see if we can remember 
the mnemonics for each word. So let's go, let's start with placate. Do we remember our mnemonic for placate? Let me give you guys a hint, all right? Has to do with a plate. And we did something with the plate and we gave it to someone. The plate was full of food. And when we gave the plate to that person, it was full of food. We gave it to a starving, emaciated person who hadn't eaten for a thousand years. So they appeared rather satisfied because we gave them the plate full of food. They were placated. We appeased them. We pacified them. We soothed them. We placated them with our food. Placate. All right, how about pugnacious? I told you guys to think of this dog, right? Pugnacious. The dog has that squished in face. Pugnacious. It's a dog that stands its ground. Pugnacious. What does it mean? Yeah, it means someone who's or something inclined to fight, ready to quarrel, ready to go. Guys, we're ready to stand our ground. Let's go. Let's get in a fight. Let's be pugnacious. Pugnacious. Don't you be pugnacious with me, young boy. Our next word was disquiet. This is the word I always forget. I apologize, by the way, if you guys hear this. I don't know if you can hear that or not, but this chair I'm on squeaks. In fact, it's disquieting, all right? This, I feel a little disquieted by the chair that I'm on. What is the definition of disquiet? Remember, we broke it up. The mnemonic was to break it up, D-I-S. We took the prefix. We separated it from the quiet, dis and quiet. We broke them up. We moved away from quietness because we were bothered. We were bothered. Disquiet means you're bothered. You're uneasy. You're anxious, right? Disquieted. Maybe my voice makes some of you disquieted out there. Har, har, har. Disquiet. And our last word, we had placate, pugnacious, and disquiet, and then we had herald. Herald the old man. All right, I have to do, I don't know if I've done my old man voice for you guys, but all right, now, now let's talk about the word herald. What does this word mean? Yeah, it's going to sound a little weird. I like Harold when I think of Harold. I think of this old guy who kind of talks like this and he just talks on and on. What was our mnemonic for Harold? I think this is our worst mnemonic. And I say that because I myself, even after coming up with a mnemonic, am having a hard time remembering it. Harold. Thought of this old man, hear all, someone who hears all things. Harold. The word, what does it mean? Our mnemonic was this old guy who likes to talk a lot, likes to make proclamations, right? He likes to announce his things. He's been through so much in life. He can tell you when something is going to happen. He's a prophet. He knows precursors. He knows what is indicative of what, right? Herald, to indicate or signal something. That is what the word means. Herald. Herald knows all. I can tell you what's going to happen. I can tell you, if you don't pass your GRE, your life is going to come to an end. I'll tell you, I took that GRE when I was your age, and I didn't pass. And look at me now, wallowing in a nursing home. Harold. All right, so that sums it up, you guys, for episode 29. I cream for breakfast. I cream. Oh, wait, no, sorry. It's ice cream for breakfast. Freudian slip. I cream for breakfast. All right. Wow. Ice cream for breakfast. All right. Apparently, this person probably likes ice cream for breakfast. 
says, I literally have never written a review, literally has never written a review, but this podcast is so good for studying GRE words. I typically play a podcast immediately when I wake up. That's freaking awesome. I mean, you get to wake up to my, I mean, sweet mom, you get to wake up to my voice. What? That's just amazing. You guys, I'm, I'm being sarcastic, right? Please note my sarcasm here. I typically play a co- podcast immediately when I wake up. And again, when I get home from work or while making dinner, the ways to remember some obscure words are working. And then he puts in parentheses. Trick for trick the chicken for chicanery. Trick the chicken. I remember that episode. Chicanery. It's a good word. All right. Thank you for that review. Ice cream. Ice, ice cream for podcasts. Now my tongue is doing that tongue-tied thing. If you guys haven't, please consider leaving me a review on iTunes. I know what's happening. Some of you out there are like, when I get home, I'm going to leave them a review, but you get so busy with your lives, you forget. So go ahead, take out your phone, leave yourself a reminder, go on to Nick's Knack for Neologisms, leave me a review, and perhaps the next person who leaves me a review, their review will be read on our next episode. Bye-bye.